Alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala Rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa wala. Uh, one more time, another session inshallah of Tanzil. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us and uh, grant us acceptance inshallah ta'ala and all the effort that has been put and reward those who are consistent in coming and inshallah the benefit will be in this dunya and the hereafter inshallah ta'ala. So today I'm, I'm talking about a concept of that which is of supplications at dua in Islam. How does it work and how do we understand it? And let me start by saying that uh, what is the difference between what we call ad-du'a and at-talab? At-talab is when you uh, ask for something specific. Ya Rab, I want you to help me in this task. Ya Rab, let me have uh, a child. Ya Rab, uh, make this job, you know, be mine. Whatever you include specifically, it's called an talab. Now, dua is inclusive to both, but talab is more specific. What we want to focus on when we're talking about supplications and how they are accepted from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we want to upgrade and our supplications from the level of a talab to the level of a dua. What do we mean by that? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran, وَقَالَ رَبُّكُمُ دُعُونِي أَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ And your Lord had said, make dua, and I shall respond to you. Now, the statement that is ours, and your Lord said, make dua. So this is a command from Allah. And the part that is up to Allah, and I shall respond to you. Our status of understanding dua is not to put God to account, if I may say, when I make dua, where is the answer? Because Allah promised an answer, right? The true understanding of your status as a believer is just to make dua. And you are to leave the respond and the answer to Allah upon his terms, not upon your terms. So let us start with that. A dua in Islam is not meant to be only like list of requests, talabat. You know, Ya Rabbi, I want one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. The core meaning of dua is to establish one thing, a status of iftiqar. A moment of declaring your need and vulnerability and necessity to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
That's what the main purpose of dua is. Azul. To be in a moment of understanding how vulnerable you are, how low you are, how desperate you are to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you make dua based on this concept. Regardless how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala what? Responds to you. Because if you make dua and you want God to be responding to you, imagine if Allah answered everyone upon his own understanding of what he wants him to do for him. Life will be a mess. I mean, just in one family, imagine if Allah wants to answer everything on the mind of the husband and on the mind of the wife. They will, things will be a mess. Imagine about the family, if you add four or five children to it. Imagine about Imagine if the whole world, every time they make dua, Allah answers the way they want him to answer. Life will be a mess. So we leave Al-Qadr in responding to our dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala based on his wisdom and based on his knowledge and based on his rahmah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's one thing to keep. So one, why do we leave the answer to Allah? Because one, if everything is answered the way we want, life will be a mess. Things will overlap with each other. Yeah, and if, just give you an example. Imagine there was no traffic lights or no traffic laws. What will happen? This guy wants to go this way, this guy wants to go. If everyone is left to his own ways of managing his path, things will be disrupted. There will be no regulations. So Allah's destiny, Qadr, is that he is the one in control of how he responds, when he responds, how much he responds to, how to delay it, whatever. Number two, sometimes your own request can limit what Allah can give you. I mean, what was the dua of Sayyidina Yaqub, you know, the father of Yusuf, to be joined with his son Yusuf, right? And Allah delayed that for 40 years until Yusuf became, you know, the one in charge of Egypt. But then when Allah answered his dua, he didn't just join him with his son Yusuf. He brought all Bani Israel from Palestine to where? To Egypt to be saved from what? From the drought. So until you might have applied for a college. Ya Rab, I need this one. And you think based on your own knowledge and based on your own you know, assumptions that this is the best choice for you. But it didn't work out. And you went to somewhere else. Maybe Allah had planned something more different. Maybe you're going to meet the one you're going to get married to in that other college. Maybe you're going to get to need someone who is a professor who knows someone else that when you're done, he's going to hook you up with a job. You don't know. So being a Muslim is someone who submits to the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You do your best. You, you make plans in a way of what is the best for me, but then whatever the outcome comes, you accept it and you take it with full heart because 
This is where the Muslim submits and surrenders to the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, when we know this is for a fact, if you ask Allah to respond to you the way you want him to respond to you, as if you are putting yani, uh, force on Allah, which is yani, impossible. You do not demand Allah to do things for you. He is the master and you are the slave. It's not the other way around. And it is a matter of rising up the level of dua from talab, from requests, into supplications. And the supplications are in the status of what? Submission, surrender, showing your vulnerability, and requests are more like, do what I want you to do. It doesn't work like that. It does not work like that. When we make dua, and we read the ayah saying, Allah will answer you, and the problem becomes, why didn't Allah answer the way I want him to answer? No, that's, that's not the equation. The ayah does not say that. The ayah says, you make the dua, and I will answer you based on what? On his knowledge, on his wisdom, on his rahmah, uh, and uh, what he can answer you or what he cannot, of what is better for you. And look for, you know, the examples that uh, we can pull out, you know, from the uh, Quran and from the sunnah of Rasulullah Allah said, وَعَسَىٰ أَن تَكْرَهُ شَيْئًا وَهُوَ خَيْرُ لَكُمْ Maybe you might hate something, but in it is what? It's khair, it's good. وَبِالْمُقَابِلْ بِعَكْسُ وَعَسَىٰ أَن تُحِبُّ شَيْئًا وَهُوَ شَرُ لَكُمْ And maybe you might love something, but it is what? Evil for you. There's a hadith in which the Prophet ﷺ said, quoting Allah, so it's a holy hadith, hadith Qudusi. Man shagalahu dhikri an mas'alati a'taytuhu afdal ma u'ti s-sa'ilin. Let me make another hadith before I go into this. The Prophet ﷺ said, الدعاء هو العبادة. And in another narration, الدعاء مخ العبادة. Supplication or dua is the core concept of worshiping God. The other narration, supplication is the core brain. Of, of, of the concept of worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What is salah? Salah in Arabic, what does it mean? Dua. That's what it means. And it is from sila, to connect. And from the moment you start saying, Allahu Akbar, what, what are you doing? You're making dua or praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Fatiha, tasbih, everything's about what? Ad-dua. 
So, and if Allah said in the Quran, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ That I have not created jinn or ins except for the worshipping of me, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the dua becomes the core essence of worshipping him, al-ibadah. Then this hadith shows us an upgrade from listing requests in your dua to how you can make it a true meaning of ibadah. Listen to the hadith. That's what Allah said, and, and that's a holy hadith. Man an If you turn the dua into dhikr, if you make your dua just a remembrance of Allah, one who gets busy with, with my remembrance, instead of a su'al, asking requests, if you look at the dua as a moment of humility, moment of submission, moment of khushu' focus, and getting closer to Allah, whoever is able to translate or transform what he wants and requests into a moment of submission and humility and submission to Allah, I shall give him the best of what I give those who are asking things. Allah will give you something better. So what I'm trying to tell you, when we want to make dua, we don't want to engage dua because we have requests that we want to what? To be responded to. We want to enter dua because it's a moment of ibadah that we want to be submitting to the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not that we should cancel our needs because we need to say things. But we want to cash the moment of vulnerability, not the outcome based on our own timeline or when we think it's the best for us. Uh, are you getting the point? This is very important. I'm going to quote a statement by Ibn Ata' where he says, لا يكن أمد تأخر العطاء مع الإلحاح في الدعاء موجبا ليأسك. If you keep supplications and supplications and supplications and it's taking you nowhere, don't run into a moment of despair. Matthias. And then he tells you why. فهو ضمن لك الاستجابة فيما يختاره لك. He guaranteed answering you of what he chooses for you. لا فيما تختاره لنفسك. Not that which you choose for yourself. وفي الوقت الذي يريد لا في الوقت الذي تريد. In the time that he chooses not in the time that you choose for yourself. Now, this is important to understand. And I'm going to quote uh, a statement by one of the greatest Yani, uh, prominent figures in our history. His name is uh, Abu Hassan Ash-Shadili, rahimahullah. Just gonna put his last name, Ash-Shadili. What did he say? And I'm gonna quote. He said, لا تختر من أمرك شيئاً. Now, I know what I'm gonna tell you now might be tough to process and understand. Anyone can tell me what does this mean? لا تختر من أمريكا شيئاً. Do you know what that means? Don't choose anything for yourself. 
And then he says, Wachtar, rather choose, and la takhtar. To choose not. Like he just repeated the same statement but in a different way. Never choose for yourself anything. He's telling you, your role as a Muslim is to, to roll in life. Yeah, and the first one, R-O-L-E, the second one is R-O-L-L. So your role as a Muslim is to roll in life of whatever the qadr of Allah takes you in. And as a Muslim, you submit and surrender. You have a control on choosing means that will roll you on the qadr. But what pops up at the end after Allah decreases qadr on you, that's it. You take it and you move on. And it keeps, the cycle keeps what going on and on. If you live with this concept and understand it properly, you will live in peace. You will not panic if you miss something in life. You will not over-exaggerate happiness and things that you got. Because the more you are joyful about something, the more you might be bitter if it's lost. You keep balance. Nor you panic if you lost something and other people we have seen that, like now we are watching what's happening in Gaza. Someone might lose a child and they will faint, which is fine. I'm not degrading them. We are emotions. Or they might say something that the Prophet told us not to do. You know, the Prophet said, he or she is not belonging to us. When they lose someone, they start what? Beating themselves. Tear their clothes. Start speaking things of jahiliya. Why did you do this to me? Isn't there someone else to put him in this problem? Am I the only one that... There are people who will say that. And I'm not here to judge, you know, emotions. But I'm here to tell you. The more you understand the dua and how Allah responds and how that should come to the concept of you accepting the qadr of Allah, the more you respond to calamities in life in a tranquility way and in a peaceful way. You want a fresh example? Have you seen the guy who was kissing his daughter in Gaza, the famous video that went you know, viral? I mean, what kind of a heart will make someone hold his daughter and be in this peace smiling, opening her eye and kissing her on her eye? Do you know why he kissed her on her eye? I mean, he didn't do out of that out of nowhere. He knows exactly that the last place the soul departs the body is from the eye. That's what the Prophet told us. When someone dies, the soul goes from your legs up and the angel will be by your head. And they will pull it from your head. And the last part, the last limb of the body that will follow the soul is the what? The eyes. The eyes have a very deep secret essence to them. That's why there's hasad through the eye. That's why you cannot look someone in the eye for long. It's not natural. It doesn't feel right. It has a secret in it. It's somehow connected to the soul. You can pause. Even if the one you love so much, your fiancé or your kids, it'll be like seconds and then you turn away. That's, that's the way we are. 
But that person, his daughter's name was Reem. Kissed her and he said, You are the soul of my soul. And it was not just the only child he lost. He had three lost. I forgot the name of the third one. Actually, there are other videos when they were laid down on the ground and he was just had like a, a piece of wipe, you know, paper or like a towel wiping the blood around their face. Someone who understands the qadr of Allah and how Allah chooses for him rather than he chooses for himself, Allah will grant him I shall give him the best of that which people ask me to do. He will give you the moment of peace and tranquility that you need to, to survive. When we understand that, I'm going to quote also a statement by Sheikh Abdul Aziz Al-Mahdawi At-Tunisi, Rahimahullah. He lived in the seventh Hijri century, he said, مَنْ لَمْ يَكُنْ فِي دُعَائِهِ تَارِكًا لِاخْتِيَارِهِ If when you make dua, you make the dua as a statement of supplication, not as a statement of request. رَاضِيًا بِاخْتِيَارِ الْحَقِّ Accepting what Allah will answer back based on his knowledge, فَهُوَ مُسْتَدْرَجْ يعني He is making fool of himself. Because at the end, God will do whatever he wants to do, regardless of what you say. God will act on whatever his destiny has been preset. So make sure that you cash off the dua, the moment of ibadah, the moment of humility, the moment of khushu' rather than, here's the list, do what I want you to do, and if you don't, I'm going to put you to account. It does not work with God like that. It works that you are abd, you are a slave, and he is the master. And the role of the abd is to go exactly where his master tells him what to do. Now, this ibadah, you have to understand that when you make the dua, and I want to quote a hadith from the Prophet ﷺ, without having full conscious of what you ask Allah, then that's another way to differentiate between the dua and the talab. So one of the differentiations is it is a request versus a supplication. Number two, if it is not the dua is said with full heart, then it is also not a dua, it is a request. What do we mean by that? The Prophet ﷺ said, and I'm going to quote another hadith by the Prophet ﷺ. And the hadith goes like that. Ud'ullaha. When you make dua, uh, make dua to Allah. Wa antum muqinuna bil ijaba. With full heart that Allah will answer. How? But he will answer. Wa'lamu, the continue of the hadith says, Anna Allaha 
لا يقبل دعاء من قلب غافل If your heart is not 100% conscious when you make the supplication, then Allah will not even look at your prayers. So two things. Be certain when you ask Allah something and leave it to him how to respond. And number two, Allah will not look at your dua if your heart is not fully engaged in it. Now there's a third hadith that I want to quote. The Prophet Sallallahu said, إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَسْتَحِي مِنَ الْعَبْدِ إِذَا رَفَعَ يَدَيْهِ أَنْ يَرُدَّهُمَا خَائِبَتَيْنِ صفرا I, I forgot the last term. That Allah feels embarrassed from any slave of his when you raise your hand to ask Allah something to turn him zero with nothing. Something has to come. He will either, in a fourth hadith, answer you on the spot, delay it for a reason and a benefit that he is aware of that you are not aware of, or will keep it as hasanat at the Day of Judgment. So you're going to get something, either in harmony of what you had as an outcome, or delayed, or in which Allah has destined prior, which is better for you, or delayed as rewards and hasanat at the Day of Judgment. Now, in another, under, like a scholar said, people will wish that none of their dua were answered in dunya. That they were all considered as dhikr, dhikri, you know, like remembrance of Allah. So they will cash it at the Day of Judgment as ish, as hasanat and rewards. Because if you make a dua, a request, a talab, and Allah answers you here, it's done. But if Allah doesn't answer you and keeps it for you, hasanat for the akhirah, you get two things. The hasanat and the moment of ibadah that you are engaged in. So that's why this scholar said that people will wish that their dua were not even answered in this dunya. That Allah will keep it. Because at the day of judgment, Allah told that that's the scale weighs things by the, by the atom. فَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ خَيْرًا يَرَى وَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ شَرًا يَرَى If you know that every word you say will be a tipping scale point, then every dua will make a difference for you at the day of judgment. If we know when the scholars were making tafsir of the ayah, يَوْمَ يَفِرُّ الْمَرْءُ مِنْ أَخِيهِ وَأُمِّهِ وَأَبِيهِ وَصَاحِبَتِهِ وَبَنِيهِ That a person will run away from his brother, will run away from his parents, from, will run away from his family. Why? Because they will asking him, give us hasanat, like he doesn't want to share hasanat with anyone. You know the value of hasanat at the day of judgment. So every extra hasana will be what? worth waiting for and there's also a quote a hadith that a person will come to his uh, a mother will come to her son at the day of judgment and she will say i had you in my womb for nine months i had you for two years you know nursing you feeding you i took care of you until you became a man one hasana for the sake of allah he will say if you have a hasana give it to me i'm not gonna give you nothing everyone on his own that's how tough it is at the day of judgment. If you have a hasana you can spare, give it to me. I don't have any hasana to offer anyone, even my own mother. That's how tough 
the market of hasanat is at the day at the day of judgment now anytime we want to address a, a mushkila if I was told to make dua and the ayah is clear Make dua for me and I shall answer you. But the answer does not come according to my own understanding of how we should could. Why should I even bother to make dua? Let, let things roll the way it is meant to be rolling. We're done with that. We say that when you pray, what do you expect to happen after you're done with Salah? What? Nothing. You just pray. When you fast, what do you expect to happen after you're done fasting? You just fast because Allah told you to what? To fast. When you go to Hajj, what do you expect to happen after you go to Hajj? You just went to Hajj because what? Allah told you to go to And dua is exactly the same. If, if we go back at dua huwa al-ibadah, that dua is a form of worship, that the same way we do the other acts of worship, salah, siyam, zakah, and hajj, and we don't expect anything because we're only doing it because it's an act of worship toward Allah, I want you to understand that at dua is just also another what? Act of worship toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not because you have things in mind that you want to happen, then you're going to put Allah to account and why didn't you respond to me the way I wanted you to respond to me? We want to enter dua as a form of ibadah, nothing else. As a matter of fact, Allah said in the Quran, وَرَبُّكَ يَخْلُقُ مَا يَشَاءُ وَيَخْتَار مَا كَانَ لَهُمُ الْخِيَرَةِ If Allah is the creator, if Allah is the creator of this whole universe, and he creates what he wants, وَرَبُّكَ يَخْلُقُ مَا then he's the only one who what? To choose what to do or what not to do. مَا كَانَ لَهُمُ الْخِيَرَةِ You don't choose. Allah is the one who chooses. Like this, Al-Walid ibn Al-Mughira, you know, one of the enemies of the Prophet ﷺ. He used to say, why would God reveal the Quran on Muhammad? I am here in Quraysh. You know, let him reveal it on me. So Allah answered back. Ahum rahmat Are they the one to tell Allah what to do? They don't. So if we agree that Allah is the creator and he is the one who controls this universe, then we do not implement on him what to do in this life. As a matter of fact, go on the opposite direction. Allah says in the Hadith Al-Qudusi, إِنَّ مِنْ عِبَادِي مَنْ إِذَا أَفْقَرْتُهُ كَانَ خَيْرًا لَهُ Among my servants, 
when they're asking me for wealth and money, if I keep, if I keep them poor, it's better for them. Because not everyone can handle what? Money and wealth. Some people are meant to stay ish, poor because that's what makes them closer to Allah. Do you want the story of that? They mentioned in the Quran, There was a Sahabi who came to the Prophet knowing that the dua of the Prophet will always be answered. He said, Ya Rasulullah, make dua that Allah makes me rich. So the Prophet was advising him, Mal is fitna. Money is, you know, and the Prophet had a, either Allah tells him or like he had an understanding of these people's lifestyles. He said, not everyone can handle wealth properly. And then that person insisted and kept insisting. And he said, لَإِنْ رَزَقَنِ الله, If Allah gives me what I want, لَأُعْطِيَنَّ كُلَّ ذِي حَقٍ حَقَّهُ I promise you, everyone who I owe anything, I will give it to him. So the Prophet, يعني, upon his insistence, made dua for him. It was not long, few months, and the goats of this person started multiplying. He used to be called Hamamatul Masjid, the pigeon of the masjid. You know why? Because he never missed Takbiratul Ihram behind the Prophet. Every time the Prophet, any salah, he want to pray his ish, right behind him, Allah Akbar, right behind him. But when the money grew bigger, he needed to take care of them. So he started feeling tired, not being able to wake up for wish, for Fajr. He started skipping Fajr. And then he started skipping, you know, Isha. And then his business grew very big. He had to go outside the suburbs of Medina. And his farm grew too big. When the Prophet ﷺ sent the person to collect zakah, he said, I don't owe the Prophet anything. This is something I all made it on my own. So Allah revealed this ayah in him. وَمِنْهُمْ مَنْ عَاهَدَ اللَّهَ لَا إِنْ مِنْ فَضْلِهِ You know, like it, it threatened him. And, and if Allah speaks, threatening someone, that's it. It means he's doomed. Yani Allah decreed that this, this guy will die like that. It's, there's no repentance for him. Like the ayah did not give him a space. Even after the Prophet died, وسلم, that person came to Abu Bakr and he said, I want to pay the zakah that I missed paying to the Prophet. He said, I'm not going to take something the Prophet didn't take it. If you failed it at the time of the Prophet, I'm not going to do it in my time. Allah knows what he's going to do with him. We, we don't make judgment on people, but that's the story. What I'm trying to say, sometimes you ask Allah things, and if Allah doesn't, Make it happen the way you want. It's better for you. You just have to. I'm not saying that things that we wish for life and it doesn't happen, it is not hurtful because we think we know. We actually don't know. We think we know. Or we think we are in control, but we actually are not in control. But faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, understanding how the dua and talab works with Allah, as I said in the beginning, helps us cope and deal with things better and and uh, before i go into some details that i want to finish with what time is it huh 12 15, okay 15 more minutes let me grab my phone keep it next to me here uh, before i go into some details about some of the manners of a dua 
I want to quote an ayah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَوْ بَسَطَ اللَّهُ الرِّزْقَ لِعِبَادِهِ لَبَغَوْ فِي الْأَرْضِ If Allah gives everyone what he seeks and what he asks, people will run into each other. People will overlap and power over each other. وَلَكِنْ يُنَزِّلُ بِقَدَرٍ مَا يَشَاءٍ إِنَّهُ بِعِبَادِهِ خَبِيرٌ بَصِيرٌ But Allah reveals to everyone how much he or she wants. طيب. Uh, I want to go into some conditions, if you want to call them, or some manners of dua. Do you know what are some of the conditions or the manners that we should keep in mind when we make dua? Give me ideas. Yeah. What do you remember of the manners or adab dua or the conditions for a dua to be appropriate when raised to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Anyone knows? Yes. Okay, this is the time. So things are related to time. Okay, let's put categories if that's fine. He's saying rain. What else? Huh? Also, we're talking about time. Last third of the night. Thuluth al-akhir min al-layl. What else? Yes. Last hour of Friday. Now, all this is what in relation to what? What about place? Yes. And sujood. Very good. The Prophet said, the closest person to Allah and dua is when he's what? During his sujood. What about pre-dua? What are some of the things that you need to keep in mind before you make dua you should be establishing in your life? To start by praising Allah before you start your dua. Where do we learn that? Where, where do we learn that? Al-Fatiha. Where does the Fatiha start with dua? What part of it? It starts with ihdina. But all before, before that, it's, it, it, Fatiha is what? Praising Allah. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. Maliki Yawmiddin. Iyaka na'abudu wa iyaka ihdina Like the four statements, the four ayat is all ish, introduction. So you make your call or you make your request. What else? Yes. Why do they say every time you want to make dua, make it between two salah on the Prophet? Because Allah promised answering the salah on the Prophet. So if you insert it in between, then there's more likely it will be answered. So insert your dua always between, start with the salat ala nabi and finish with what? The salat ala nabi. Good. What else? Yes. Also, be clear from sins. Declare tawbah. 
it is more likely that if you make tawbah from your sins, that Allah will what? You know, and it's not like taking a glass of wine, ya Rab, tub alayhim. You know, it's not going to work. You have to, at least what we call a takhliya, purify yourself from the sins. What else? Any other things that pop in your mind? If it was of time, place, or, yes. Also, an wudu is good. Okay, that's it. Let me list with you some of the things that I wrote, I wrote down. The Prophet ﷺ said, A man will travel and his hair is not combed well and there's a lot of dust and he's making dua to Allah, Ya Rabb, Ya Rabb, Ya Rabb, wa mat'amuhu haram, wa ma'kaluhu haram, wa mashrabuhu haram, wa ghudhya bil haram, fa'anna yustajabu lah. So, halal consumption of food is a reason what? مش halal بمعنى زبيحة here. Halal بمعنى you earned it. Although, you know, some people might يعني, want to eat زبيحة, that's fine. But what I mean, if your income is in haram, then don't expect your dua will be answered. Your income has to come from a, from a halal source. And a lot of people comes and tells me, you know, uh, if I work in that place, uh, would I be making, you know, sayyat uh, or whatever? It is not about what you're doing only. The income itself has to be yani, halal. The Prophet ﷺ said, إِنَّ اللَّهَ إِذَا حَرَّمَ شَيْئًا حَرَّمَ ثَمَنَهُ You know, like, he tells me, okay, Allah only prohibited eating pork. So I have a grocery store in which I sell pork. It should be fine because the only part of, of, of haram and pork is what? Eating it. No. Making money selling pork is haram too. Where do we get that from? The hadith. The Prophet ﷺ said, إِنَّ اللَّهَ إِذَا حَرَّمَ شَيْئًا If Allah declares something haram, حَرَّمَ ثَمَنَهُ The money that is made out of that is still haram. Another hadith, إِنَّ اللَّهَ طَيِّبٌ لَا يَقْبَلُ إِلَّا طَيِّبٌ Allah is lawful, you know. Will not accept things except being ish, being lawful. طيب. Also, being sincere. الإخلاص. So this is also under ish. Pre, not just tawbah, when you want to make dua, uh, to be uh, in sincerity. You cannot be qati' rahim. You cannot be uh, disconnecting with family members. Yani if someone doesn't speak to his mom, doesn't speak to his dad, doesn't speak to his siblings for no legitimate reason, yani, he's then that's another reason ish for your dua not to be accepted. Also, talking about times or places. Shahar Ramadan, at the time of the Aftar, when you break your ish. For everyone fasting, Allah will not yani, reject his dua uh, the third of the night, as has been mentioned. Or facing Al Qibla. You know, when you make dua, Although you can make dua in any, any direction, but if you are face the qibla, that will be also better, inshallah ta'ala. To raise your hands. Now, this is not under yani, place, but just for the sake of the... 
space here. Uh, it was part of the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ that he used to what? To raise his hand. Uh, as we said, to praise Allah, to make salam on the Prophet ﷺ. As the Prophet said in the hadith, to be certain that, the that Allah will answer what? That will answer your, your call. To make the call of Allah by his names and attributes. You know, the 99 names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his attributes. And to exclude, and let me finish with this, exclude from your dua anything that is of harm. It's like someone made some stupid thing with you. Allah, I'm going to go to Kaaba and make dua right there against you in the, you know, the holy place of the Kaaba. Unless he killed your dad or something, maybe, but much for stupid things. You're going to threaten people to do things like that. So this is in general our understanding of how dua should be understood and processed in Islam. Some of the manners, I hope inshallah ta'ala we will benefit from that. I'm going to be open for any questions inshallah you have for me today. Any questions? Fadal. <laughs>